Great to have you along for the ride. Really glad to have this guy back, entrepreneur. He's an author. Brand new book is called Nation of Victims. It's Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek, good to see you again. Good to see you. You know, I, I was floating around. Uh, Megan Kelly's a good friend of mine. She's been on my show. I've been on her show. You're on her show. There you are. Then I turned on Fox. There's Vivek. Uh, I turned on, you know, some other network. There you are. I think you're on Newsmax as well. I'm glad that people are understanding how much really uh, wisdom you have when it comes to the situation we're facing in this nation today. It's caused a lot of it by big tech, caused a lot of it by big media. And for some reason, people have been convinced that instead of pulling up your bootstraps like you and I did and getting three or four jobs and striving to achieve what we want to achieve, they all sort of coddle in the corner and they, are, they really believe that they're victims. Is, is that really the crux of what we're talking about in the book, that people are, are very quick these days to consider themselves victims and therefore not do anything about it? That's, that is the crux of the problem I address in the book. We yeah. have a new national identity. I would go so far as to call it a new national identity, Joe, built around victimhood, seeing ourselves as victims, black victims, white victims, second generation Asian American victims. I I see that even in the Indian American community. But the call for action in the book is to revive a new national identity based on the shared pursuit of excellence. That's actually why immigrants come to this country. It is why my parents came to this country. It used to be America's national identity. I still think it can be yet again. And the encouraging part about it is that one of the things I do for the middle part of the book is I trace a lot of history. American history, all the way back to the Reconstruction era and the Civil War, even Roman history. And it's pretty encouraging when you take a look and a walk through history because you realize that this isn't the first time even our culture as a country, let alone even other great cultures like Roman, the Roman Empire, have gone through similar bouts. And so so to those who say the American experiment is dead and over, I think we have a major problem. We need to see it with clear eyes. I think this victimhood culture is a cancer on our national soul. But I also think that history teaches us that we may find our way out if we make the right choices. That's part of what I lay out in the book. You know, it's interesting. Again, the name of the book is uh, Nation of Victims, Identity Politics, The Death of Merit, and the Path Back to Excellence from Vivek Ramaswamy. Go and get this right now. Uh, It's actually out today, which is awesome. So uh, let me just piggyback on what you said. My grandfather came on a boat. Took him weeks and weeks to get here from Italy. Uh, my great grandparents on the other side came over on boats as well, and they all were seeking a better life. We'll have two million people potentially in twelve months break across the border illegally to get to this great land, and we have people sitting in the land who are taking for granted the fact they were born here and the greatest land on the planet, maybe ever in history, and they're just not taking advantage of it. And I want to use one quick example, and I love your your comment on this. Queen Elizabeth passed away. And immediately, people took to social media, maybe trying to get social media clout, to say that they were victimized by her, their ancestors were victimized by her, look how horrible this person was with the British Empire. I mean, this is exactly what you're talking about. Instead of seeing the good that she ended up bringing through her reign, which is 70 years, much better than when it was the British Empire, certainly, um, they just want to beat her down now that she's gone. Is it for social clout? Is it for notice me? Or is it really that they feel as though Queen Elizabeth somehow victimized them? I think it's mostly the former, but they convince themselves that it's the latter. And the irony is you're going to hear it from people who actually were not victimized by her at all, which is the irony here is it's actually the incumbents that end up thinking of themselves most as victims. So as I walk you through the cycle a little bit, first you begin, say as a nation or as a company or as an individual, whatever it may be, as an insurgent, you have all of the energy and power of an underdog. Then you achieve success. Then you become an incumbent. Incumbency breeds laziness. It breeds sloth. 
It breeds entitlement. And one of the things I describe in the book is that victimhood actually fits laziness like a glove. And what I mean by that is we see that even in the modern work culture in the United States of a lot of people who just don't want to work after the pandemic. You know, Doreen Ford, among others, led the anti-work movement, the great resignation. But they didn't just say we don't want to work. They didn't just say that we would actually prefer lifestyle changes that resemble those of, of genteel Europe. No, they said that this is about dismantling the oppression of capitalism, the colonialism of capitalism. You had to wrap it around this grand narrative of of social justice that you're achieving through really what is just naked, self-interested laziness. The book is called Nation of Victims. Go and get it right now. It's out today. Uh, what's interesting about what you just said is immediately that what jumped in my brain was, well, those in power like this, if they can victimize more people or make them feel as though they're victims, even if they aren't, then they can control them better. We're going to we're going to be divided. If I say you're not a victim and you say you are a victim, we're not friends anymore and divide and conquer is very simple for those who are in the ruling class. It, it, has this been perpetrated by the ruling class or has it been just accepted by those who are on the receiving end? You and I don't see each other as victims. I can because I'm Italian, I can say well in New Orleans they hung a bunch of Italians, I'm a victim. You can say because you're of Indian uh, descent that uh, the, the British Empire did this that and the other to your people. But instead, we're successful people because we don't care. What we want is to achieve for our families. So is it the ruling class making them feel like victims or those who feel like they're victims wanting to be in that position? You're asking great questions, Joe. So, so the way I say it is it takes two to tango. Okay. And my right. first book, Woke Inc., was all about the cynical exploitation by the ruling class, by the, the titans of industry in the private sector, by firms like BlackRock and leaders like Larry Fink, who used, cynically exploited this victimhood culture to be able to sell and place more product. But it does take two to tango. What is it about the populace, the general population, that causes it to fall for the trick? What is it about the national psyche? So so Nation of Victims was in some ways the sequel to Woke Inc. Woke Inc. was about the top-down problem, the cynical exploitation by the merger of government leaders and, and private sector leaders working together to accomplish their goals by using the general population as their vehicle to get there. But that general population comprises the consumer base on whom these tricks actually work. So so this book is the other side of that. So this book more focuses on what's going on with the national psyche right now. What's going on in the mindset of an entire generation? What's the vacuum of purpose and meaning at the heart of our nation and our generation and a national soul that allows these ruling class elites to ultimately prey and picket those insecurities? That's more what this book is about, which is the flip side of what my first book, Woke Inc., was about. So, so that's that's the sense in which there's a sequel. Nation of Victims, Identity Politics, The Death of Merit, and The Path Back to Excellence by Vivek Ramaswamy. Really glad to have you on, my friend. So one of the lines that, that I see in front of me is, hardship is now equated with victimhood. Man, that that's so heavy and so deep for guys like you and me because when I hit hardship, and I hit it a lot, um, I got another job. I had a fourth job or a fifth job, or I would work overnights and not sleep at all. A hundred hours a week was nothing. Uh, and now I don't have to do that because again, I've established myself. Same thing with you as a founder, CEO of, of several companies, as a guy who's a very successful author. So how do we get those who would equate an easier life to, to compare to our hardship that really made us go, but like my kids have an easier life. How do we keep them motivated? How do we make them not fall into a victim mentality? Why don't I have as much as this person has? Why am I being treated this way? Is it my hair color? How do we convince them that hardship is actually a pretty good thing in life because it can make you work harder and strive for what it is that you want? So so what I'd like to do and what I try to do through the book is to make that case. However, one of the things I also lay out in the book, Joe, is that, you know, we... 
may not have to the chance to educate them because hardship may return to do the job itself. Wow. And I think one of the things one of the things we're missing, right? I mean, I gave so, so I started writing this book at the time that I actually gave my commencement speech to my high school, which they invited me to do last year. Okay. As I looked at the audience, I remember I actually gave the commencement speech to my high school when I was a high school senior in 2003. It was heavily about 9-11 because that defined my high school experience. I was in U.S. history class at the time we saw those that second plane hit the Twin Towers. OK, right. now I was given the address to the first graduating class where not a single person in that audience was even born on the day that those two planes hit the Twin Towers. We're in the middle of the largest intergenerational wealth transfer in human history from baby boomers to millennials. I mean, you and I are not probably on the receiving end of that personally, right. but but our generation, millennials and younger, really are. And I, and I think that that raises a, a cultural circumstance where at the end of the day, we can we can preach, we can write books like I'm writing here. But one of the things I land in the book is you can listen to my arguments, but whether or not you do, that's going to create the very hardship that allows you to potentially rediscover who you are. I think the market crash, the possible market crash that could even be exacerbated by tightening of Federal Reserve policy. One of the cases I make in the book is an economic crash and a market crash may be difficult, but it may ultimately be fortifying for our culture because we've come off 15 years of skiing on artificial snow printed by the Federal Reserve that's actually covered up the kind of hardship that normally is a check on an economy. It, there's a famous quote that's actually often attributed to the founder of Dubai. It, it, it sums up this mentality pretty neatly, and I cite it in the book. What is it? My grandfather rode a camel. My father rode a camel. I ride a Mercedes. My son will ride a Land Rover. My grandson will ride a Land Rover. But my great grandson will ride a camel again. Yes. Because hard time. What do you say? Easy times create actually. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Yes. So in some ways, we can preach all we want, Joe. But at the end of the day, even if we, even if we don't persuade the next generation of Americans who see themselves as victimhood, that victimhood itself will create the hardship that hopefully creates a stronger generation on the back of it. It may just be part of what the arc of history demands. His uh, first book was Woke Inc. He's a New York Times bestselling author. It's Vivek Ramaswamy. Get this book, Nation of Victims, Identity Politics, The Death of Merit, and the Path Back to Excellence. I want to talk specifically about merit. Meritocracy works very, very well. We can just use sports as an example. Sports teams want to win. Owners want to make a bunch of money. They want fans in the seat. They want to sell a bunch of merchandise. You don't do that if you suck. So meritocracy makes sense. You get the best players you can. You get the most talented people you can. Surround yourself with them. Try your very best. Get the best education you can. And then you move up in life. There is a real push, Vivek, and you know this better than anybody, in this country to take away the idea of meritocracy. Just don't talk about sports because they'll, they'll, they'll be hypocrites when it comes to that. But in life, they want meritocracy to go because somehow, and this is the left talking, Blacks and brown people can't do as well as whites. Therefore, we must take away their incentive to try. They, uh, Joe Biden himself said, you don't know how to vote if you don't vote for me. He said, you can't get an accountant or a lawyer if you're a black or Hispanic in, in a rural area. He said, blacks don't know how to get on the internet. They said, people on the left say, people of color can't get photo IDs. So they're being told their whole lives that meritocracy, meritocracy doesn't work. So let's go with equity. We just call it equity now. Everybody gets the same everything. And that disincentivizes a human being from striving to achieve. So can we reinforce in the younger generation, you might be a millennial, I'm Generation X, can we tell the newest generation, you can achieve by doing your very best and trying your very best and realizing your own talents? Because I feel like they're being told not to. I mean, it's a simple message that defines the national spirit of this country. Yeah. You can achieve anything you ever want with your own hard work, your own commitment, and your own dedication. That is the American dream, full stop. Now, 
what we see right now is a full frontal assault on meritocracy itself yeah. as not just not just in a particular context, but as a system for allocating rewards that that, that system itself is systemically racist or whatever. Now, I mean, it's in the subtitle of the book, I call it the death of merit. Yes. I think, again, I don't mean to be, uh, you know, overly doom and gloom about this, Joe, but I hope that our arguments, the arguments I make in this book are persuasive. But if they're not, the thing that's going to persuade us is the actual net result that that yields in our great power struggle with China. China is not allocating results. Ironically, China, with a Maoist heritage, is not allocating its rewards or who gets into school or who gets into an engineering school based on a DEI quota system. Right. It's based on who's most effective and likely to be effective as an engineer. So in some ways, the American culture of meritocracy and the pursuit of excellence has leapt oceans to lift up places like China, while the Maoist victimhood culture that defined once China now has actually come to infect the United States. And so you know, I'll give, give another example. I mean, UPenn Medical School, one of the top medical schools in the country, recently said that for certain races, keep, keep in mind the racist supposition behind this, for certain races, they will no longer require the MCAT. Now you graduate from medical school, the USMLE, which is the certification, first step of certification to actually become a physician after medical school, they changed from a graded exam to pass fail, again, on considerations of equity. Wow. And by the way, you rewind the clock to the SAT scores. Well, guess what? To get into a top college, there's over a 400 point disparity between be, whether you're Asian or whether you're black. And this is only a 1600 scale exam that's harder to even score below 400 or, or, or even 600 if you were trying. Right. So the, the 400 point difference is, is a huge difference. That attack on merit is going to give us a generation of engineers who are underprepared, a generation of doctors who are underprepared, a generation of, of leaders in the military and leaders in the private sector who are underprepared. So when we're producing things less effectively, I hope to God this doesn't happen. But when people are, when life expectancy in certain populations go down because of the incompetence of people who are able to care for them, when the bridges we design are, are, are falling faster than we otherwise would have expected, I'm not being hyperbolic about this. It's going to be the net results that we see on display that ultimately result in our rediscovery of the fact that actually, you know what, meritocracy was a pretty good model that worked for us for a couple centuries. I urge you to get this book, Nation of Victims. It is by Vivek Ramaswamy. One last question, Vivek. I appreciate the time today. You're right about everything you just said, clearly, and hopefully people will go get the book and, and, and find a resurgence in, in their own independence and their own meritocracy. Those who are complaining about people moving up because of talent or hard work or merit are people who, generally speaking, got those jobs because of meritocracy. Do they feel guilty? Do they feel badly that they, they ended up on top and, and there are too many Asians there now, let's, let's denigrate them, there aren't enough blacks there, let's pick them up uh, and make this equity claim? Again, those who are making these claims, Vivek, you know this, they all got there because of meritocracy. Why is it bad now? I'm glad you asked that question, Joe, because I think one of the things I, the case make in the book is not just for the pursuit of excellence. Yeah. It is for the unapologetic pursuit of excellence. Love it. We live in a moment now where people are forced to apologize or feel compelled to apologize for their success. I actually think, you know, I have my critiques of President Trump, but the thing I like about one of the things I like about President Trump was that he was unapologetic with respect to his objectives, unapologetic about success. And, and I don't think that's a Republican value. It need not be a Republican value or Democratic value. That's an American value, that we are going to win. We're going to win unabashedly. We're going to win unapologetically. And that's actually unifying. That's not a, a black value. It's not a white value. That's something that unifies us across the boundaries of identity and partisan politics. Be it on the basketball court or be it on an MCAT exam or be it in, in, in an orchestra, you know, where you have blind auditions. Actually, the, the irony of describing blind auditions as racist 
auditions where somebody makes it into an orchestra based on how well they play a violin and how well that sounds rather than how they look. Right. That's actually been called into question as systemically racist so, because of racially inequitable outcomes. So stupid. What I say is this is actually what unifies us. Yes. Is it allows us in a colorblind way, in an identity-blind way, even in a politically blind way, to be able to reward those who are excellent at their chosen pursuits. That is what it means to be American. And the last thing, I, I always like challenging an audience a little bit, Joe, is that you know, we also got to look in the mirror. I think that black victimhood culture is a major problem. I talk about it in this book. People told me you're not supposed to talk about that because you're not black. I don't believe in that. I, if, if I think we really care about lifting up black lives, we better darn well talk about black victimhood culture, yes. which is holding a lot of black lives back. But I also worry that the response may be a new white victimhood culture or a new conservative victimhood culture. And at the end of the day, we're not going to get past this if we play victimhood Olympics, where we each compete for our status as a victim and what we're owed in return. At the end of the day, someone's going to have to end the game by saying that, you know what, we all may have our grievances if we look back far enough, but we're not going to look far back. We're going to look far forward yes. to be able to say that our shared pursuit of excellence can be what unites us. That's the call to action in the book. Nation of Victims, Identity Politics, The Death of Merit, and the Path Back to Excellence, Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek, thanks so much for coming on. I love having you on. So much knowledge, and these books are amazing. I hope you sell five million of them. Come back soon, all right? Thank you. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. Back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Nation of Victims is the name of the book. It's Vivek Ramaswamy. We enjoy Vivek coming on. Very smart guy. Could talk to him for three hours. Very, very smart man. Uh, go and grab that. It's out today, Nation of, uh, of Victims. And, and go and see what he's talking about because it really can reinvigorate you to get out there and, and succeed because we still live in the greatest nation on the, on the planet and you still have more opportunity here than anywhere else. We've got much more to come. Dr. Katie Coleman next hour. We've got all sorts of stuff going on there. Plus, um, a teacher was fired in texas because the the teacher didn't call pedophilia pedophilia called it something else and that's not okay there are a lot of people outraged are unhappy that the teacher's gone we'll have that story for you too keep it here this is the joe pegg show